Thank you, musicians. Thank you very much. Uh, just a little bit about myself. I'm, uh, for the, those of you new and haven't seen me up here before and go, who the heck's that guy? Um, I've um, been saved since I was 19. Mike, how are you, mate? Congratulations. I've been uh, a Christian since I was 19 and uh, I've had my ups and my downs, um, but God's always been there for me, amen? And he constantly surprises me with his grace and his mercy upon my life because if I was left to my own desires, uh, devices, it would be nothing but disaster. But God's grace and mercy see me through every day and uh, he truly is a gracious God. Um, I know that if I was God and um, he was me, I don't think I'd be as merciful. So uh, praise the Lord that we've got a God of mercy and grace. Miracles happen. That's uh, what we've been talking about. Next week, um, I believe what we're going to do is we're going to have a, um, some testimonies. We've already had a couple. Jane Jarvis and Marcus have given testimonies the last couple of weeks. And it's been great to see God moving in the life of our church. But God wants to do even more than that. God wants to move in the lives of each and every one of us. God is not limited by time or space or anything else. And this morning you might have come to church and you might have thought, if only, if only God could do this for me. You know, God's not uh, restricted by your illness, your situation. Even your attitude doesn't restrict God. Because how God is more than able. How God is the God of the miraculous. Miracles happen. We probably should have put another catchphrase at the bottom every day. Because they do happen every day of the week. You know, God is a God of mercy. I, I, um, I've seen a few um, miracles happen in my life for myself, but I've seen it happen for other people too. Um, there was a guy um, in Canberra that we were, uh, another pastor and I went to visit every few days. He had cystic fibrosis and um, he couldn't breathe, couldn't do anything. He wasn't let out of his house. He was on oxygen tanks. And um, we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And... Uh, we didn't see much happen. Then one day, we were at the shop together, me and this pastor, and the guy comes walking towards us in the shop. He said, oh, he was healed. Miraculous healed. He was waiting for lungs to be um, donated to him. And uh, we prayed. And, you know, we, I mean, you know, we yelled and screamed and shouted and stomped the devil, and we did everything we thought we could do. But in the end, it was just God. In the end, no matter what we did, probably to the detriment, in the end, God had his way. One morning, bang, he got up, didn't need the oxygen, could walk like a normal person. Disease gone. So I think sometimes we get in the way of God. I really do. I think sometimes we, we just need to say a prayer, let God do the rest, amen. What I want to do this morning is I just want to... my, my um, task in this whole series, series of sermons is to preach to you about uh, how to maintain the miracle. Now, um, some of you might know me, and you know, I'm not really one much into five steps to do this and six steps to do that. Um, I think that the Word of God has all the answers. And maybe I'm naive in that, but you know, that's the way I live my life, and so far it hasn't let me down. So what I want to do today is I want to look at uh, three instances where Jesus healed people and what he told them to do. Because no matter what I tell you to do, it's just my intellect or knowledge. But if we look at Jesus and we look what he did, then we're sure to have the answers, amen? So what I want to do, we're going to look at the Bible a fair bit today. What I want you to do is go to Luke 4, and we're just going to uh, have a look at the, the mandate of Jesus' ministry. Um, this section of Scripture um, is the part where Jesus is tempted, he comes back, he's baptized, he's tempted, he comes back, and he goes into the synagogue. 
And uh, in verse 14 of Luke 4, it says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him had spread through the whole country. He taught in the synagogue and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and on the Sabbath day, he went in the synagogue and as was the custom, as he stood up to read, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found a place where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What an incredible passage of Scripture. More incredibly is Jesus, after his baptism in the Holy Spirit, after his obedience to the Father, and we all know that our lives should be lives of obedience. Amen? Jesus was on the, on the earth for 30-something years. John the Baptist was on the earth for the same period of time. And at the point of history that God decided, Jesus became obedient to the Father. He went into the river. He allowed John the Baptist to baptize him. He rose up. The Holy Spirit came on him like a dove. A word from heaven came that said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And from that instance on, Jesus began to do miracles. The first miracle is, and you know, we've all, we all know that the first miracle is uh, that he changed the water to wine, but I want to uh, just uh, shake things up a bit. I want to challenge you. I think the first miracle was that he went out in the desert and was tempted, and he resisted. And how did he resist? By using the Scriptures. You know, as soon as something good happened, the devil tested him. You know, when we have our miracles and God touches our lives, the first thing that's going to happen is the devil's going to test us. The Word of God tells us that Jesus came to give life and life in abundance. The Word of God also tells us that the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you get something good from God, he's going to try and steal it from you. So Jesus is baptized in the Holy Spirit. He goes out in the desert to pray, and all of a sudden the devil's on the doorstep. And he's starting to stir up a bit. He's starting to challenge the thinking of Jesus. But what Jesus does, he returns with scriptures. So what we're going to try to do today is put some foundational scriptures in your life that when the devil comes after you receive your miracle, you go, no, that's not true. This is true. This is what the word of God says. This is what I need to do. This is what I need to do to make sure that that miracle that I've got, I hold on to. Because God can do anything. Unfortunately, sometimes we don't see it. Unfortunately, sometimes we throw it away. Just turn with me, if you will, to Acts 2. This is uh, the speech of Peter. And it's going to tell us a little bit more about Jesus because in the end, that's what we want to learn about, amen? Acts 2.22 says this, Men of Israel, it's, it's Peter preaching. Men of Israel, listen to this. Now, before this, he was hiding away in a little house. The Holy Spirit comes on him. And I love this passage of Scripture because he's a changed man. He's no longer a coward. He's a mighty man of valor that stands in front of the men that killed Jesus. And he says this, men of Israel. I imagine at this point he's pointing at them. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But, and everyone loves a but, amen. We always love when a butt's written there, you've got to look at before and after. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. 
It is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. What man says impossible, God says is possible. Man says it's impossible to raise from the dead. Jesus walks out of the grave three days later. You might be sitting here this morning, you might think your issue and your your problem, whether it be in your physical body, whether it be part of who you are, whether it's your mind, whether it's a, a sin habit, whatever that problem is, you may be sitting here this morning going, it's impossible, I tell you it's not. What is impossible for man is possible through God. He can do anything. He can do anything. He can do anything. There is nothing how God cannot do. He is more than able. Whatever comes with us as the package of our life as we live a life that sometimes we do the wrong thing and sometimes we just get sick and sometimes we just fail, how God is bigger than all those things. In Hebrews 3, uh, 13, 18, it says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. So his ministry mandate hasn't changed. He still wants to set the captives free. He still wants to to release the oppressed. He still wants to make the blind see. He still wants to raise the dead. That's Jesus' purpose. That's what he wants to do. He's the same yesterday. When he was here in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, that's what he did. Today, that's what he does. Tomorrow and forevermore, that's what he will do. If If Jesus tarries for another 1,000 years, Churches will grow and there'll be more people in them and there'll be someone with it, with it hand in the church and someone will get up and they'll preach and Jesus will touch that hand. You've got a leprosy colonies. Jesus will be there touching those too. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. He is never, ever, ever different to the way this word of God spells him out to be. If someone teaches you another Jesus other than what's in here, it's not true. It's false. It's rubbish. It's dung. This is the Jesus that can change your life. This is the Jesus that can heal your body, your soul, your mind. This is the Jesus you need to know. There's plenty of Jesuses out there. You can read some popular books and they will show you one Jesus. You can, you know, um, listen to popular preachers and some of them will show you another Jesus. But in the end, this is the determining factor of who and what we believe in. This sets forth a God of love and a God of sternness sometimes, may I say. I mean, let's, re- let's think about Jesus for a moment. You know, he, he went around, healed the sick, raised people from the dead, got frustrated and upset because we didn't have faith. And who knows at times, sometimes we don't have faith. Plenty of times I felt God say, you have little faith. Plenty of times in my life. And, and it challenges me. Jesus doesn't change. He's the same yesterday and ever. He told the disciples, you have little faith. I'm disappointed. I'm upset with you. I'm hurt. You don't listen. You don't understand. And sometimes we do exactly the same thing. We all look at Peter and go, what a knucklehead. What a knucklehead. I guarantee if we we're in the same position as Peter was, we would most likely do the same. But God's grace abounds. And even though Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus forgave him three times. Jesus sat one day in front of the temple. He took some gourds together. He bound them up on purpose. 
He went into the temple. He turned over the money table, the table where they were changing monies and doing things they shouldn't be doing in the temple. And then he got a whip and hit people with it. That's the Jesus of the Bible. If we were to come into this church and say to you, okay, you know, God wants us to sacrifice and what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, make a business out of this on the side. I'm going to become rich. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell you the worst and you're going to sacrifice them and I'm going to keep the best. I've got no doubt God would do Slap me silly. Because God never changes. Jesus never changes. The same yesterday, today and forever. And I think at our detriment we forget that sometimes. I think we say it, but I don't think we understand it. Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. The good that we love and we like hearing about and we like reading, that's what Jesus is like. We love reading the story where Peter slices a guy off that's come to arrest Jesus to come. And Jesus knows he's come to arrest him and kill him. And what does Jesus do? Jesus puts the ear back on and prays for him and it's healed. We love that story. We don't like reading the part where he has a go at the disciples because of their lack of faith. Then we try and justify it by saying, well, if I was there, I would have uh, done differently. I would have been a man of God and a man of faith and I would have said, uh, all right with you, Jesus. All the way. All the way with JC. But the reality is, we most likely wouldn't. So Jesus' ministry mandate is a mandate of uh, miracles. That's what it is. It's a mandate of miracles. Jesus' ministry is nothing more than miracles. It's nothing less but either. Let's understand that. Jesus' ministry is nothing less than miracles. If you're living your life as a follower of Christ and you don't have miracles in your life, then you need to study the Word more. You need to get to know the Jesus of the Bible. You need to know this Jesus because He's the Jesus of miracles. His ministry mandate hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. He went around doing good, as Peter said, healing the sick, raising the dead. Fixing the blind. He was a man, but he was also God. And what he did on this earth, he continues to do. So, what we need to learn today is how to maintain that. I know I've been, uh, in my life, I've been touched by God at some miracles. I'll, I'll tell you about one of them. Um, I went uh, to a church in Canberra, which was a Finnish church, and um, we had a lot of young men in the church which is really good to help the church grow. But it's really bad if you're a little old like me and you want to play rugby league against them. Because <laughs> they tend to hurt you. you know, And not on purpose, you know, that things don't happen on purpose, but you do get hurt when you've got these young six foot four, muscle-bound men attacking you while you've got the ball in your hand. And uh, one Easter, um, they have Easter conferences and they get people from all over Australia to come to these. And one Easter... Um, after the conference was over, we went and played a game of rugby league out the, um, on the oval next to the church. And uh, I got tackled by a few of them and my knee went crunch, crunch, crunch. And I couldn't walk. I had to be um, lifted into the car and driven home and I couldn't walk at all. Um, now, me being stubborn didn't go to the doctor. How many other men are stubborn and don't go to doctors? You are silly. Go to your doctor, men. Don't be like me. I'm an idiot. You be smart, okay? You've got to go to doctors. It's important. Um, they can tell us what's wrong and then we know what to pray about. Amen? Amen? I don't really... I mean, doctors are great and they're very, very smart, but a lot of it's guesswork. They can tell us how to fix us. 
They can tell us what's wrong with us, but how to fix it, sometimes it's guesswork. There's uh, some exciting things that are happening. Jason's working on it, where they're talking about looking at DNA and how different medicines are, um, affect different people and different DNA, and that's all exciting. But at the moment in history, it's best to guesswork. Try this. If it doesn't work, then we'll try that. And if it doesn't work, then we'll try that. So I refused to go to the doctor. I need to go to work on Tuesday. I stayed in bed for two days. Then eventually I realized I had to go to work. I had a good rest. I was, you know, it was great. After two days, I realized I had to go to work. My wife and the girls went to their mum's place, so I decided to get up out of the bed and start praying, even though I couldn't walk. And I just did. And God healed me there and then. Mind you, the pain lasted for another four days. And I went to work in pain for four days because God healed me. No matter what my knee was telling me, my spirit told me I was healed. No matter what my mind was telling me, my spirit told me I was healed. No matter what the world was telling me, my spirit told me I was healed. So I went to work for four days and hobbled around in immense pain. After four days, there was nothing wrong with me. Sometimes we need to make those choices and sometimes we need to do those things. Sometimes we need to be able to take hold of God and contend for what we want. Sometimes he wants to see that we're serious. Sometimes he wants to know what we're willing to do to receive from him. And we, all, we see through stories in the Bible all the time where people went through great lengths to get to Jesus. We know the woman with the issue of blood. She pushed through the crowd. She wasn't allowed there. And she, she didn't contend with her place in life. Instead, she reached out to touch Jesus. So let's look at the first thing. I'm just going to go back a bit. Let's go to the book of Matthew. Now, I've cheated because I've marked all these places. So I'm going to be quicker than you because I'm a cheat. No, I'm not really. Um, Matthew chapter 9. Verse 1 to 8. Jesus stepped onto the boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. At this time, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. No, uh, knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart, which is easy to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Take up your mat and work. Walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Get up, take your mat and go home. Sometimes, if we want to maintain our miracle, we have to walk by faith. Sometimes it's just something we have to do. My body, my mind, everything within me was telling me my knee was still sore. But my spirit knew it was better. The inner man knew that God had done something that day when I was alone at home. And the spirit man said to the flesh, step aside. Because I'm going to see God do something wonderful here. And it happened. This man... Jesus says, get up, take your man and walk. What happens if he would have just laid there and said, I don't feel anything? At some point, he had to have the courage to hear the words of Jesus and to act upon them. Sometimes we need to act, not only to receive our miracle, but to maintain our miracle. We need to keep on acting. We need to keep on moving. We need to keep on believing. After my knee got better and I worked for a few weeks, I hit it and it started hurting again. 
But Jesus has already healed it. So I said, knee, get into line with the word of God. I'm healed and I'm whole. And no matter what this knee tells me, even three weeks later, a month later, a year later, it's healed. How God is a gracious God. He is awesome. He is wonderful. What we need to do is to believe him. It is pure and it is simple. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You might be, you know, at this church 100 hours a day and, or, or, you know, serving God in the area of your ministry and 100 hours a week or whatever you do. But in the end, without faith, you're not pleasing God. Because without it, it's impossible. You can sit and, uh, you know, greet all the people every single Sunday for the next 100 years in this church. You can, you know, go out and, in the city and give out tracts to every single person in the city. You can do whatever you want to do fundamentally if you're not doing that with faith you are wasting your time because without faith you cannot please god and how lives are lives that are designed to please god amen so what we need to do is we need to live by faith not by what we see we need to live by what god speaks to us in our spirit man instead of what our mind is seeing through our eyes amen and when we're sick or when we're broken or when our heart is hurt what we need to do is to believe in the God that heals. We don't believe in our minds. We don't believe in our bodies. We don't believe in the flesh. But we believe in what God wants to do. Just race to me, with me, sorry, to Romans. The book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 16 to 17, says this. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first the Jew, then the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness from God is revealed, the righteousness that is by faith from the first to last. Just as it is written, the righteousness shall live by faith. I think we all believe that we're saved by grace through faith. I think everyone believes that. If you don't believe that this morning in this building, then after this service you need to come and talk to me. Because salvation comes. The grace that we need for our sins to be forgiven comes by the faith and understanding that we have that Jesus died and rose again for us. Understanding that not only in our mind but in our hearts is the most important thing we can do. However, it's not all that we need to do with faith. We need to live by it. We need to wake up in the morning and rise up out of bed in faith. We need to go to bed at night believing that God has great things in store for us. We need to understand and know that God is for us and not against us. Amen. Because sometimes, and you know, don't tell everyone, sometimes I think God's not for me. Sometimes things happen in my life and I think, wow, that's just, you know, God, were, were you sleeping? What happened? Were you even there? But then years down the thing, I think, okay, I understand that now. That happened because of this reason. It's made me a better person in this, in this way. And we should never make decisions in the middle of an issue. Because when we make decisions in the middle of an issue, that has ramifications for the rest of our lives. When we're in the middle of an issue, what we need to do is hold on to God and believe. Understand that He is for us and not against us. Understand that we are the head and not the tail. Understand that He wants to bless us in every way. 
You know, we, we talk about blessing and straight away people reach for their wallet and check if it's a little bit fatter than it was the day before. But blessing is so much more. Blessing is good health, it's good relationships, it's all those good things that make our life joyful. Now, we don't always have those, and, you know, I understand that. But when we don't have them, we believe for them, amen? We hold on to what God says. We live by faith, not by sight. When we don't have those things, we hold on because we know they're on their way, amen? And if we live 70 years and we still don't get them, guess what? You get them in heaven. So you can't lose. You cannot lose with God. You cannot lose with God. If all the world is against you and you live your life as a miserable urchin, if you believe in God, in the end, you're a son of the living God. You rule and reign with him in heaven. So you cannot lose. Unfortunately, what we tend to do is look at the natural and the here and we judge God by that. I think sometimes we've got to look over the horizon. Sometimes we're so focused on the here and now we don't look up. Sometimes we're so focused on what we're going through that we can't see the woods for the trees. What we need to do is look up at the horizon because that's where our God is. He is a God that is waiting for us to come home. He is a God that's prepared a place for us. He is the God that holds us in his hands. Smith Wigglesworth was a great man of God, but he wasn't always right. He wasn't always right. He held an Easter meeting at a certain church every year. And what he would do is he'd get people up and he'd pray for them. And this lady came up and got prayed for. And she had a tumor on her, on her throat. And he prayed for her. And then the next day they said, okay, you know, let's have some testimonies. This lady with the tumor still there comes up and says, God's healed me. I'm healed and I'm made whole by the glory and grace of Jesus Christ. The next year, he's going to have the same series of meetings. The lady comes up. She's the growth bigger, better than ever, still sitting there loud and proud. And she gets up there and she goes, I just want to praise God. A year ago, Smith Wigglesworth came to this church. I had a tumor on my neck and now it's gone in the name of Jesus. And they all looked at each other. What? And they, you know, you can just imagine all these rumors starting up about this poor girl. She's out with the fairies. The following year, Smith Wigglesworth comes back. They say, okay, from the last two years, let's have some testimony. She's the first one in line. She said, I want to tell you the two years ago, Smith Wigglesworth came to this church. I had this huge tumor. By this time, it's growing and growing and growing on the side of my neck. That day, I was healed and made whole by Jesus. Now they really started looking at each other. They started avoiding the church. All sorts of things started happening. Third year. She's the first one in line again. Three years ago, Smith Wigglesworth was here. He prayed for me. Jesus healed me and made me whole. The pastor of the church couldn't take it any longer. They met afterwards and they said, Smith, we've got to do something about this. We can't have it going up every time. It's there. It's bigger. She needs a wheelbarrow to carry it now. What are we going to do? And Smith says, well, we need to talk to her. So they got her and they talked to her and they said, listen, love. They probably didn't say that because they're English, but... Australianize it. Listen, love. You've got a bit of a problem there. You know, you keep saying it's gone, but it's there. It's bigger, it's louder, it's prouder, it's, it's all over the place. She simply said this, Jesus, show them what you showed me. It's gone. Disappeared in an instant. Gone. Gone. 
gone, gone, gone. In an instant before their very eyes, this thing that had grown out here was no longer there. Jesus, show them what you showed me. Jesus, show them what you showed me. We need to walk by faith. The only way we can continue to live our life of holiness in front of God is to walk by faith. You must believe to receive. It is very simple. It is not difficult. It's not hard. It is fundamental to who we are as Christians. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's fundamental to who we are. So that's the first thing. We need to live by faith. We need to move by faith. We need to understand that when God acts, He acts, no matter what our heart tells us, no matter what our mind tells us, no matter what our flesh tells us, no matter what our body tells us. If the Lord says something, it will be. Amen. If the Lord says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. All we need to do is hold on until it does. All we need is to believe in Him until we see it with our own eyes. Amen. Let the spirit man rise up instead of the man of flesh that wants to pull it down all the time. Let the spirit man be at the front of your life. The man of flesh will always want to tear it down. The bit inside us that's carnal will always want to rise up. What we need to do to please our God is to live by faith. The next thing, if we turn to Matthew... Matthew 8, 1 to 4. So the first thing is that we need to live by faith. We need to believe no matter what our body tells us. If God's told us, told us something, that is yes and amen. Acts, oh, sorry, Matthew. Matthew 8, 1 says this. When he came down from the mountain, a large crowd followed him. A man with leprosy came down and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus said, out of his hand, stretched out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself straight to the priest and offer the gift, of, the gift Moses has commanded as a testimony. When God touches our lives, the first thing we've got to do is give him glory. Because it's so easy not to. It is so easy not to. It's so easy just to go, hody hum, all's better, great get on with my life what miracles are meant to do they are meant to turn our eyes to god that's what they're meant to do miracles are not there just to make you feel better miracles are there to show you god sometimes the things we go through that we need a miracle for are there for that exact same reason so that we can see god you know, he is more interested in you than you are in him. And that's a fact. You know, we read our Bible and we pray and we do everything and we think that we're, you know, these great Christians that are, you know, got it all together. The truth is that we are lost sinners with nothing to offer. So Jesus came. He died on the cross. He gave us his righteousness. In ourselves, we do not have righteousness. In ourselves, we do not have anything good. In ourselves, we cannot get to heaven. But Jesus came. He let them nail him to a cross. He let them stand that cross up. He let them 
put a crown of thorns on his head. He let them beat him up. He let them shove a spear in his side. He let them do that. He could have stopped them at any moment. He could have called all the angels from heaven and stopped it. Instead, he let them do it. And why did he let them do that to him? Because he knows that we needed him to. He knows that the only way we can get to heaven is through his sacrifice. He knows the only way we can live a meaningful life on this earth is through his sacrifice. Each and every person in this room has a destiny to call from God. I fully believe that. If you didn't, you would not be here. God has a purpose for your life. Now, that purpose might just be to touch one person. And truly, if that was God's purpose in my life, and I only touched one person, I would be the happiest person in the world because I'd done what God wanted me to. God's purpose might be for you to touch a million people. That's your burden. You need to, you need to carry that. God's choice might be for you to touch 10 million people. Again, that's your individual purpose in life. By the sheer fact that you're here, God has something for you to do. One of the things we must do is to understand that He is the very purpose we breathe air he is the very reason we breathe air it's not for ourselves it's not for something we can achieve it's not for something we can do the reason we breathe air is to bring glory to the god of heaven and earth that's the reason we breathe air the reason we breathe air is so that the next generation we can stand as a great crowd of uh, um witnesses thank you very much that was very she mumbled that. Witnesses. <laughs> we can stand as a great cloud of witnesses. Thanks. You can take over. <laughs> well done. We can stand as a great cloud of witnesses for the next generation. That's why we're here. But what we need to do is give glory to God. Let God be God and give Him glory. Jesus didn't very often tell people, mostly when people got healed by Jesus, He told them not to tell anyone. Does anyone, anyone notice that? It's a pattern. In the, in, the, in the Gospels, there's a pattern that Jesus healed them and said, don't tell anyone. You know why he did that? Because if he, if, if he would have gone out and told everyone, then they would have, he got would have more attention and his plan wouldn't have been able to be completed. So he said, don't tell anyone. Just keep it hush, hush. A couple of times he says, go and tell people. And that's getting towards when he needs to be um, crucified. And he knows that. It's a plan. It's a plan from the beginning. When God bent over Adam and breathed air into his mouth and his nostril, Jesus was already knew that he would be hanging on the cross. He could already feel the splinters in his back. It's the plan from the beginning. And uh, what we need to do is to not only understand that, but to give glory to God for it. So whenever we receive a miracle, no matter how big or small it is, what we need to do is give glory to God. Let's go to uh, Luke 17. Uh, verse 11 to 19. Now, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going to the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And they went and they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praised God in a loud voice, Sorry, praise God in a loud voice. 
he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, where are the other ten who got cleansed? Sorry, where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to them, rise and go, your faith has healed you. We need to give glory to God. As I said earlier, Marcus and uh, Jane have given glory to God in the last couple of weeks about what God has done in their lives. And it is encouraging for us all to hear that. But, you know, there is miracle after miracle after miracle that happens in our lives that we just go, "Mm, ho-hum, God's good, he's great. Every time God intercedes in our lives, we should be giving him glory, amen? Let's just go to Acts 3. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. This is my favorite passage of Scripture almost. Almost, not quite. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those going into the temple court. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his full attention, expecting to have something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Walk, he said. Taking taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went um, with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Whenever we have a miracle, we need to give the glory to God. It is God who intercedes for us. It's God who acts for us. It's God that heals us. It's God that makes us whole. It is by His hand we receive grace. We need to give Him thanks. The last thing I want to talk about, if you just turn to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 5. And this is going to challenge everyone. And it's not me, it's Jesus, okay? So if you've got problems, take it up with Him later. John chapter 5 verse 1 says this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool which is in Aramaic is called Bethsaida and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in the condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Are you just happy to carry this illness for the rest of your life? That's what he's saying. Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid said, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk down. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed in the Sabbath that the law forbidden for him to carry his mat. But Jesus replied, the man who made me well, said to pick up your mat. So they asked him, who was it? Who's this fellow that made you well, that told you to pick up your mat and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, but Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. 
Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, uh, see, you're well again. See, look, all's better. And then he says, The cruncher, stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. I don't believe that every illness, disease, problem in our lives comes from sins. But I do believe some do. And I think I'd be foolish if I said anything other than that. If we want to maintain the miracle that God gives us, we need to live out the righteousness that God has given us through the sacrifice he did on the cross. And I, probably more than any others here, know that that's not easy. Because sometimes sin gets us and grips us and doesn't want to let go. But whenever we sin, I wonder what we're doing to that priceless gift that Christ gave us when he died on the cross. Are we trampling it under our feet? Are we disrespecting what God has done for us? Are we not appreciating the very death that gave us freedom? The Bible tells us that those the sun sets free are free indeed. And sin cannot hold you unless you let it. It's very simple. If we want to maintain the miracles that God gives to us, we need to live out the righteousness that he's given us amen that's what we need to do i'm gonna ask musicians to come up so how we maintain our miracles we walk by faith we let people know what god has done for us but most of all if we are sinning we stop One other time when Jesus healed someone, they said to Jesus, they said, okay, who sinned? Was it him or his parents? And he said, no one sinned. So again, I don't believe that every illness and every disease and everything comes from sin. I don't believe that. But I know that some do. And what we need to do as men and women of God is to live out the righteousness that's been handed to us by the one and mighty Jesus. We need to be able to stand in front of him cleansed by his blood. Amen. Amen. God is good. I'm just going to say a short prayer. If you want prayer afterwards, we're going to be up here. I'm going to, Gary and I will come stay up here for a little while and we'll pray for you. This church sees amazing amount of miracles all the time. It really does. Um, and God does wonders. So we're more than happy to pray for you and, and just contend with you um, as we reach out to Jesus for him to touch you and heal you and make you whole. No matter whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, whether it's mental, whatever it is, we're happy to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for giving me the privilege of being able to offer up a little bit of God's wisdom to you. But what you need to do now is you need to take that away with you and apply it to your lives. This sermon is called How To. So you need to go away and do those things I've talked about. You need to apply them to your life. You need to rejoice when God does something because he does wonders for us. He really does.
We're going to sing the song. Stand up. Let's give glory to God. Amen. Bless the Lord.